Coming up on today's edition of Women and Money, the shit we don't talk about, our guest is Stephanie McCullough, founder and financial planner with Sophia Financial. And let's give her a super big shout out because Stephanie was just named one of the top 100 financial professionals by Investopedia for the second year in a row. Yay, that's really big. Congratulations, Stephanie. Thank you. Today, we will be chatting with Stephanie about why stay-at-home moms should not feel guilty about having input into the financial decisions. Gloria Steinem once said, we will never solve the feminization of power until we solve the masculinity of wealth. Barbara Provost and Maggie Nielsen are the team at Purse Strings that will help you navigate the ins and outs of financial independence so that you can be financially fearless. This is Women in Money, the shit we don't talk about. So the topic is stay-at-home moms and why it's so important for women to know the financial impacts of leaving the workforce and staying at home. And to be clear... We agree that staying at home or not is everyone's own choice. So we're not, we're just focusing on how to make the best financial decisions when you're choosing to stay at home. So stay at home moms should not feel guilty about asking and having input into the financial decisions. The household decided to have one income earner, and that doesn't mean they're the only person who gets to have a say in the money. Darn right. (laughs) Yeah, Stephanie. So before we jump in, uh, could you give us a little intro about yourself? Sure. So Stephanie McCullough, I live in the Philadelphia area. I have been a financial advisor 25 years now, Mm. literally this month, 25 years. Um, And it was a career change for me. So you can start doing the math. But early on in my career, I, I was working with retirement plans and I encountered so many women who, you know, kind of either delegated the financial stuff to a man in their life with either, you know, good or bad outcome, or they were poorly treated by someone in my industry, or they just ignored the whole thing, right? They did the head in the sand thing until, you know, they were 62 and then finally decided to discover how their employer's retirement plan worked. And that was a true story. So that was kind of in the back of my mind, like there's got to be a way to serve women better because I firmly believe that if women are financially secure and control more wealth, the world will be a better place because we're then going to take care of our people and our families and our communities and all of that stuff. So I see my work as kind of revolutionary and same with you guys. Exactly. That's why I was so excited to meet you and learn about purse strings because I feel like we're doing very similar work in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, you know, Steph is one of our purse strings approved professionals. Um, and she's, as she, as you can tell, she really dedicated her work and her service to the female market. And that's why we're so honored to have her as part of our community. So Steph, let me start out. I have to tell you this story. Um, very dear friend of mine and I were having lunch together and this was several years back and she had two children at home and she, kind of teared up and and kind of started to cry because she said, you know, I feel like I'm not bringing financial value to our household because I'm not earning an income. And not only that, I do have art that I'm making and, you know, it can be expensive. I have to buy some tools and some products uh, for that to do my art. So I kind of feel bad about not really fully contributing to our household financially. And that kind of stunned me because she's just a bright, talented, amazing woman and, and partner and mom. 
And um, I thought, hmm, this is interesting that she would feel this kind of negative sense of self only around the financials. So we wanted to bring this topic up to you and get your insights because we know you work with a lot of women. So, you know, what what are your thoughts on that stuff? Uh, I think two things, right? It's a shame and it's understandable because our culture seems to only value the dollars. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if people feel like their worth is tied to how much they make, which is very true. And we tend to think, oh, a highly paid athlete is obviously more of an important person than a lower paid athlete, for example, or Mm -hmm. even a more expensive bottle of wine must be better than a cheaper bottle of wine. Don't ask me why I picked wine to talk about. Um, (laughs) So early in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) This is kind of, you know, a a cultural, it's the cultural stuff we swim in Mm -hmm. is that your value is tied to your dollars. And we as a society don't value caregiving very highly. We don't pay caregivers who make money very much. And we don't see monetary value in the work that a stay-at-home mom does, which is baloney. Sorry, I guess I can say bullshit, right? Because there's shit in the title of the podcast. (laughs) True. Um, Right? And then that's crazy. Yeah. I I had an argument with a friend of mine years ago. His wife at the time was, um, I think she was kind of substitute teaching. She wasn't making much money, but they had four kids at home. Wow. And I was trying to tell him that he needed to buy life insurance for her. And he's like, that's ridiculous. She doesn't make any money. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, think about what you would have to pay for if she was gone one day, if she didn't wake up or didn't make it home from the grocery store one day, and you have four kids at home and you have a big high power job, you can't be home with them. How many people would you have to pay to replace the work that she does? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we so see it all the time. Value. Just because you're not earning money, you're also preventing your whole family from spending this certain kind of money that would go into these, you know, people buying groceries, people watching the kids, people driving the kids, all those things. Yep, your chief cook and bottle washer and everything else, chauffeur and cleaner. And unfortunately, yeah, I mean, those are all the roles you take on as a stay-at-home mom. Absolutely, everything. And, you know, I have seen estimates of what a stay-at-home mom kind of should be paid. I don't have it in front of me, but, you know, it's a significant amount of dollars. It's a financial decision that the family embarks on, right? I remember one of my friends years ago who decided not to go back to work because she couldn't make enough. We lived in Washington, D.C. at the time. She couldn't make enough to pay for daycare. Well, right. Daycare's getting paid, right? The individual daycare workers aren't making very much money, but that costs money, right? So it is a benefit to have a human being deciding to forego an outside income to do this work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting because of the value of, like you said, caregiving. We don't really value it in so many different ways. And it's just such important work. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is such important work. So, you know, it's interesting, we talk about contributions to your household are beyond financial. But when um, a woman stays at home, and she's not making a financial contribution, sometimes she feels like she doesn't have a say then in the way that the money is saved or spent or distributed or whatever. What are your thoughts about that, Stephanie? What have you seen in your practice? Yeah, you know, I have heard that, that kind of like, oh, well, it's his money. He should be able to do what he wants with it. And and I try to push back gently, right? Because I don't want to shame anyone for the, you know, feelings and beliefs they've, they've picked up along the way, right? Because this this stuff is, you know, again, like I said, we kind of swim in it. So it's hard not to pick it up. 
And right, this often male, not always, right? But but whomever the breadwinner is, is earning money to support the household, the family, and the mm-hmm. other adult person, right? The mom is should be an equal decision maker mm-hmm. in the financial decisions that support the family, in my opinion. You know, both because she's not a dependent, right? right? In the sense <laughs> of like a, a young child or a toddler, right? She is a, a fully functioning, capable adult. And, you know, these financial decisions are going to impact the family and her. It's going to impact her longer than it's going to impact the kids. Absolutely. Think about it. Hopefully the kids grow up and fly and be free and do their own thing um, and become independent adults. But especially the mom who has opted to not earn her own living. Okay. So I said she's not dependent, but but monetarily, financially, she kind of is, Mm -hmm. right? So Unfortunately, money makes the world go round where we live and we need money to do the things that you want and the things that you need. So making those decisions, whether it's where the money goes in terms of spending or how the money gets saved and invested, I think it should be a co-equal dynamic. I I agree with you. And, you know, I think it goes back to having those discussions about money, about the household, about the operations in the household, about who can do what and who will be responsible for what and how we will update each other on how our roles are going, right? Just because, you know, someone might take over the um, the teachers, for instance, you know, and, and, and navigating school activities, it doesn't mean the other person should not be involved. They also always need to be updated and involved and things like that. Same with the financials. Okay, so if I'm leaving the workforce, we're down to one income. Let's talk about how that's going to work for us as a family situation and really have some solid understanding about it going into it rather than just kind of winging it and really having these kind of assumptions in our head around how people are feeling about the money or how the money should be spent or who really has the money or owns the money, who's in charge of the money. It's really about having that dialogue. Yeah, that's an important part of the thinking about it, right? Because there will be assumptions and there will be, you know, kind of feelings about it, whether you talk about them or not. It's much healthier to try to unearth them and bring them to light early on. And it's okay if things change and if you feel differently. And, you know, it's not necessarily always going to be the same. But having that foundational openness to discuss, like creating that safe space to talk about money. Money is a very fraught topic. Mm, we, re- yep. we recently had a financial therapist on our podcast. And it was fascinating, wow. right? Because money can be such a, a trigger topic of, oh you know, yeah, trigger topic of drama cause yeah. for splitting up, right? So right. how can we try to have a healthy money relationship? I could also see, you know, if you don't have these conversations, both of you kind of falling into the roles of what you saw your parents do, uh, whether that be good or bad, um, which is also hard if, you know, your parents were very different and trying to work together in that way. Um, so you think, you know, we make, like you said, we make these assumptions, but really we need to have these conversations. So we are on the same page and our goals are aligned to hit, you know, retirement and success and whatever that looks like while raising the kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's really true. And it's funny when you talk about parents, right? I have talked, I always talk to my clients about how money was handled in their family of origin and, you know, how their parents kind of talked or didn't talk about money. And very often I'll hear, well, you know, kind of the lesson I took from that is, this and I operate this way, but my sibling went the whole op- opposite direction, right? Like mm-hmm. I save all my money and I can't bring myself to spend. Whereas my sibling 
you know, can't hold on to a dollar. Everything mm-hmm. comes in and goes out. So people take different messages from the same situation. But again, it kind of, a lot of that goes subconscious and it drives our decisions, whether we're thinking about it or not. So right. some of it's personal work yeah. to get at our own right. money issues. But I think having that open conversation as a couple is so important. Yeah. And I think it really starts with the budget. Okay. This is our income and now our income is going to change and it's going to go down. Um, and because one paycheck will go away. So let's look at our new kind of scenarios, our new situations. And also having children creates new expenses as well. Uh So, you know, what was once a couple dual income budget will certainly be impacted by one income and other little ones coming along because man, diapers, you know, little classes, clothing, you know, it just never stops. So your budget really, really is impacted. And I think it's important to first and foremost, talk about, you know, the financial decision to stay home with the children. And what are the financial impacts to your budget? And how has your budget changed? Yeah. And I think couples can get into some danger if, you know, say mom is doing the spending on the day to day stuff but dad's doing the big picture stuff. And then dad can't understand where all these dollars are going and why is she spending so much? Mm -hmm. Like you said, diapers, formula, all this stuff is expensive. You know, so instead of the resentments building up and the assumptions, you know, trying to set up a structure, ideally before it's contentious and a crisis, right? Trying to set up the situation and the habit of having conversations will serve you well. Absolutely. And then we also want to talk about, you know, now that they are staying home, and they've looked at their budget, and they've really accommodated for new expenses and one income household. You know, maybe where some areas they could save, things like that. So really taking a really full view at it. But when a woman leaves the workforce, you know, there's some other opportunities financially that she should be aware of as well. Can you shed a little light on that? Yeah, certainly. I mean, one of the things that often you get when you are an employee is an opportunity to save in a retirement plan right? Whether there's an employer match or not, it doesn't really matter. The big thing is automatically when you get your paycheck, you sign up to put a small percentage into that 401k, 403b, something like that. And if you don't have that option through work, there are other type of accounts you can set up if you are the income earner. But what a lot of people don't realize is there is something called a spousal IRA, individual retirement account. So if you are married to someone who is earning income, even if you're not, you can make the maximum IRA contribution every year. And it's one of those things that if you miss the 2022 contribution, and all of a sudden you realize it's 2023, you don't get it back. So it's kind of important to at least try to build that into your budget each year. Yeah, and that's up to like $6,000 a year, right? Something like that. And even though somebody might say either that's not a lot of money every year, hey, it's better than nothing, right? And that adds up year after year. And that's her money with her name on it. And so that's for her retirement. And I can't tell you how many times women have said to me, I had no idea there was a spousal IRA or what? How come I didn't know this, right? And so that's why we want to start talking about uh, this financial investment that can be made on her behalf for her retirement. Yeah, and it's again, it's, it's, you know, there's no, need for guilt in asking or, you know, talking to your spouse about setting this up because it's all going to the household, right? The law says that if you don't have a beneficiary on your IRA, it goes to your spouse, right? If you guys get split, all the assets get split, right? So it's not like you're taking away 
from household. But yes, I do believe, Barb, to your point, it is important to have assets in your own name. And I mean, we've probably all known someone. I've talked, I used to have a, a colleague, coworker years ago, who was trapped in her marriage because she didn't have a dollar to her name and felt like she couldn't get out. Mm-hmm. So we never want to go into a marriage thinking it would end. But, you know, thinking about how you might support yourself if you need to, or what you do have set up for yourself is important. We all need to do this. There's a stat that says 80% of men die married and 80% of women die single. So whether the guys, you know, kick or, you know, take off or whatever, we do have to look out for ourselves. It's protection. It's like getting in a car, putting on your seatbelt. It's like getting on a plane and making sure that oxygen mask is there, right? It's just protection. And to that point, right? The other thing that happens when you're opting to stay out of the workforce for a time is that it affects your social security benefits and how those are calculated because your benefits are based on your highest 35 years of income. So a lot of stay-at-home moms don't even have 35 years of earnings, which means they have some zeros built into that. But there are spousal benefits with social security as well. So it's worthwhile educating yourself on what those might be. And even if you do get divorced, if you were married 10 years, you still have a benefit available from your spouse's earnings record. Which is something I recently learned and think is very interesting. So um, people should check that out if they have not heard about that before. Then you, at the beginning, touched on why it's so important for women to have um, life insurance when they're working or when they become a stay-at-home mom. Can you dive in a little bit more of you know why that's so important, even when you're not earning that income? Yeah, right. Again, it kind of, you know, because we tend to put value on people based on what they earn, a lot of the formulas about life insurance are, you know, three times your annual salary or whatever that might be. But again, I think that misses things, right? Life insurance is there to protect the ones who depend on you should you not be there tomorrow. So who depends on you and what type of things do they depend on you for? I mean, it might be an adult sibling with special needs who depends on you or a parent you are helping to be a caregiver for, right? If you are gone, there yes, there's financial need, but there's also kind of that that caregiving need or that support need, right? What else would be gone if you disappear off the face of the earth, right? And it's t- kind of terrible and it's kind of grim to try to put a number on that. And that's what life insurance is for, right? So I think it a lot of us, especially stay-at-home moms, are underinsured. Yes, that's true. But we've hit on some really good topics, and I, I want to circle back and just cover them. So we covered, you know, if you're going to stay at home, make sure you have those conversations about how are we going to live on one income, and how is our budget going to be changing if we're starting to have children? What are the other expenses we need to accommodate for? And are there any expenses that we can wind down on a little bit and save on since now we're going to have added expenses? And then the other thing you just touched on, life insurance, how important that is, because we always say, and we love the term that life insurance is a love letter to your family. In case anything happens to you, they'll be well protected and well taken care of. And then we talked about spousal IRA. So if a woman's out of the workforce, this is another opportunity for her to have retirement benefits in her own name. So that's really important too. What other pieces of advice would you offer, Steph? So I do have one that's top of mind because I am now 55. I'm an empty nester and a lot of my friends are empty nesters. And the ones who stayed home with the kids, all of a sudden the kids are not there anymore. And they are looking for something 
to do something, you know, to take up their time, something that's fulfilling and yeah, earning an income would be nice. And I have to say that so many of them don't see themselves as having any value in the workplace. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, it kills me, right? Yeah. Like I could teach at nursery school or, which I have nothing against that. That's great. But some of these people have master's degrees in English. Like there are other things you can do. So my suggestion would be, even as you're home with the kids, just keep an eye on that future point where someday you might want to get back into the workforce. So whether that's keeping your network connections alive, right? Keep your LinkedIn profile or even doing a class here or there, trying to do a little tiny project, something that I almost believe you don't have to convince the world you have value. You have to convince yourself that you've got value out there. So what are the things you could do? And again, it's protection. So if all of a sudden, you know, God forbid, husband is in a car accident, is in a coma, and you need to make some money, have some plans in your back pocket. Perfect. Yeah. Always be sharpening those skill sets. Yeah. I um, think so. Keeping those connections alive. You're worth so much value as being a stay-at-home mom, but you also are a lot of value in the workforce as well. And you got to realize you're valuable all around. Yeah. yeah I mean, totally. it, it's always, you know, it's what's fascinating to me on that topic is that there's so many women that are, you know, chairing boards at school or running, you know, donation centers or, you know, doing these massive big projects and managing people and managing, you know, processes and, you know, counting money and doing whatever, whatever it, it entails. And then they think, oh, I have no skills. What? You just yeah. managed all these huge projects yep. and people and money and inventory, whatever it had to do for your children's school or for the Girl Scouts or whatever it might be. Those are very valuable skill sets. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of skill sets that we, and you've raised children, Heck, you know, everyone gets hard. a medal for that. <laughs> there's a lot of skill sets in there. So, well, this has been a great uh, conversation. Any parting thoughts, Steph, for our listeners today? You know, I have talked to quite a few women, again, kind of in my age range, where they've had the traditional division of labor, where the husband was in charge of all the money. And now they're feeling, gosh, I'm kind of behind the eight ball. I don't know what I don't know. Or heaven forbid, they're on the road to maybe splitting up and they're, they're feeling anxious because they don't know where the money is. It's never too late to start to have those conversations. And, you know, I think a gentle way to broach it is, Maybe even, you know, all of us know people as we age that have had horrible things happen, right? Like, oh my gosh, so-and-so down the street just had a terrible accident and now his wife's having to step up into the financial role. What if that happened to me? Can we start to sit down and you brief me on where things are, where things are going, help me understand. I really, and maybe it's a supportive role. I'd love to help you on this. I want to be informed so that if I need to step up, and do these things, I'm not starting from zero. That is so important. It's so important to be part of that conversation, to know what's going on, um, because you never know what might happen any day of the week. Um, And so we do have to just be in the know. Yeah, we've heard too many sad stories. So, And that's what we're here for, um, Purse Strings, is to help women step up, come to the table, ask your questions wherever you are on your financial journey. Come and join us. We have lots of uh, tons of free financial information, education, access to these amazing experts like Stephanie, um, wherever you are on your financial journey. And uh, it's PurseStrings.co. And we have 
vetted professionals who are, we say, ready, willing, and able to help serve women. So um, we're so glad you were with us today. This has been a valuable topic. Our focus this month has been is continuing on with stay-at-home moms and what are the financial impacts to having that um, decision in your in your life and in your family. And so this has been a great kickoff to the month. So Stephanie, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We'll talk to everyone soon. Bye. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.